You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 123. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. How are you doing? Happy New Year. I know we've already rung in the New Year a bit. We're closing down on the first full week of the New Year, for those of you listening to this linearly. So wherever you're at in the world, I hope it was a spectacular holiday for you, Um, whether you're you're Jewish or Christian and whatever holiday you spent honoring, whatever God you believe in, going towards the end of December, we all celebrate New Year's. We've all been able to begin the closeout of 2021. We still have about, I think this is the sixth, we still have about 24 more days to really close out 2021, put a stamp on it, and then really have 2022 finding its momentum. So for those of you who still do the resolution thing, which is um, generally a waste of time, it's always nice to put goals upon yourself and then not succeed at them, (laughs) which is mostly what people do, which is really interesting to me because I know a lot of people who follow Lent and they can give away, they can give up something for 40 days and 40 nights and, and whether they're really devout in the religious aspect of it or whether it's just a challenge. It's like the idea of giving something up for 40 days and 40 nights. There is a finish line to that. Whereas these resolutions, the finish line really doesn't ever come because the idea is that you're going to quit doing something forever. Right, you're going to stop drinking soda pops. You're going to stop smoking cigarettes. Stop drinking booze. Whatever that might be, you're there. It's it's going to go on and on and on. Whereas with the the Lent aspect of it, you're not giving it up forever. You're just giving it up for this small period of time, and eventually it gets to come back into your life. Now you might have a different relationship with it when it does come back into your life, but regardless, it still gets to come back into your life if you so choose it. Whereas with a resolution, we're trying to put a hard stop. No more. And this works for a lot of people. Not for the majority, but it works for a lot. I had one manager at my old hotel job who would um, just stop things on a dime on New Year's Day. And he would say stopped cold turkey, but there was still a preparation for it. The weaning of oneself off of cigarettes, Dr. Pepper, sugar, um, sugary carbonated beverages. Like he, every single year, he would consistently let something go. And there was a preparation for it, a mindset that was going into it, especially whenever he quit cigarettes. You know, what, him being able to quit smoking and then prove that to himself, everything else seemed a lot easier moving forward because cigarettes is <laughs> super difficult and super addictive. If you can quit that, cutting out Dr. Peppers and then all sugary sodas the next year and then all. Oh, Sugar in general the next year would seem relatively simple in comparison to quitting cigarettes. But that doesn't work for a lot of people. I know. Okay, I just said it works for a lot of people, but it doesn't work for the majority of people. So let me make sure I'm getting my sentences right here. It works for people. It's just not a majority of people. So whether you are still following 
the resolution and you've still kept up with it six days in or whether you never set one to begin with, like me, you either don't set them because you know you're going to fail at them or, like me, you don't need to set them because I choose to make changes constantly in my own life. And whenever I do, I give myself this 60-day window to completely solidify the change work. The change work is what makes the change work. Each day is another step towards that change. Right? We call it change work in neuro-linguistic programming because we're making these changes. Right? We do some change work. We go in. We use conscious communication or we, or we have use visualization techniques. We begin to start the change work process and then solidifying it over time each time one of those instances would come up where we would behave the way we used to, this is an opportunity for us to solidify the change work by making sure that the change is taking hold, that we're making a better decision in the moment. We can NLP process you out the yin-yang, and if every single time the moment to make the choice to do something that you used to do over the new way you would like to behave, and you keep going back to the old way, and then you come back to me and say, well, the change work didn't work. Well... <laughs> doesn't work that way. You have to consistently choose to make better decisions. And it's in this process of consistently choosing to make better decisions that you solidify within yourself the strength and the courage to know that you can actually change when you put your effort, your energy, your intention and attention toward it. So a lot of people think that Uh, I'll hire a coach, I'll get a personal trainer, I'll get a nutritionist, uh, I'll get a mentor, and I'll ask them advice, and they'll tell me cool stuff, and then magically, good things will just happen. Expecting that there will be no huge, massive, take action moment in their life. I'll get this mentor, I'll I'll get my professor to help tutor me, I'll go get to the tutoring center, and I'll get a tutor, and everything will just be better. But it doesn't just get better. You can show up to the tutoring sessions all you want, but if you're daydreaming or on your phone while they're trying to walk you through the homework, you're not learning it. If you literally just sit down with them for an hour and go over the material, and then you don't revisit that material until the class the next time or until the next tutoring session a week later, one hour out of 168 is not going to adequately prepare you for anything. It just, it, it won't. It's up to you to make sure that you continuously work on things so that the change work actually becomes the change that works. It's in AA, they have this thing called it works if you work it. And so they say at the end of their meetings. Now, I don't go to AA, but I'm absolutely in sobriety and recovery. I have got a whole other podcast just about that. And it does work if you work it. Anything will work if you work it. Go get the College Success Habits book that I wrote over on Amazon, Shameless plug, plus it was a bestseller um, when it first came out. And if you follow that book, if you say, these are the seven powerful principles I will adhere to every single day, your life will get immeasurably better if you focus on those seven powerful principles every single day. And it's not hard. Growth mindset, courage, decisive, action, discipline, flexibility, tenacity. I mean, these are things that you're inherently doing all the time if you're being successful or things that you're inherently not doing, and you will definitely know if you're not being successful. All we're seeking for you is to pull it out of the unconscious where you're unaware and into the conscious mind where you are aware. So this whole show seems to be predicated about, now that we're into the 120 episode area, 
is there was some time ago, especially around COVID, um, I really stopped putting a focus on how to talk about going through a syllabus or how to study better because there's a ton of those books. There's plenty of resources out there that will talk about that stuff. And those are people who are probably much more advanced as far as study tactics go, better at explaining it. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe I would be the perfect resource for that because of the way I explain things. But that's just not where I believe my strengths lie. My strengths lie in the emotional intelligence aspect and the mental acuity and pushing ourselves each and every day and really talking you through these emotional fluctuations that you're experiencing during this extremely hormonal stage of your life. But FYI, the emotional fluctuations won't stop just because you hit 25 and your hormones start to level out. That's not the way it works. Emotional fluctuations are just a part of the human experience, and you're going to be experiencing these the rest of your life. So let's start to utilize the tools that I helped access within myself and then put those into your own life and work them. Anybody's book will benefit you if you focus on it. I'm currently uh, getting ready to start Jack, Field, Jack Canfield's Success Principles workbook because he says in his in his Success Principles book, if you follow this for a year, your life will be amazingly better. I'm like, well, I mean, all right, I say that about my material. Right? I've got my material down. Let's go learn somebody else's material, not to mention the things I'm going to learn that I'll be able to bring to you all. It, it just continuously expands my own portfolio of knowledge. That's really the most difficult aspect of hosting two different podcasts a week and having clients and running programs and going and doing speeches. It's just integrating new material so that you just don't feel like you're getting stale. Blessed be my brain that just is seeking uh, more knowledge every day because my curiosity is just through the roof. I'm very childlike in that manner. You might also be childlike in that manner. If you're out there listening to a myriad of different podcasts and books and things of that nature, and you should be curious about life. Don't let curiosity graduate uh, don't let yourself graduate college and then leave curiosity in college. Be taking that with you. So what is next for you? We have been living in a COVID world now for almost two years. At some point, continuously using COVID as an excuse for why you're not moving forward in your life is either going to get tiring to you and you're going to start to see how unbeneficial using COVID as your excuse is, or you're going to wake up and you're going to have been using it as an excuse all this time, whereas other people who've achieved the success they desire in life stopped using it as the excuse. Now, I want to be clear when I bring up COVID, I want to make sure I'm going to say this as a disclaimer. I'm by no means belittling or trying to minimize the life-altering, life in some cases destroying uh issues that COVID has brought around. Many people have lost loved ones, best friends, partners, family members. I I absolutely empathize and sympathize and have compassion for those who've lost people due to COVID. I personally have lost two people because of COVID, so I can understand that there is an emotional trauma that comes from experiencing two years of a pandemic that has, you know, the worldwide population 
feeling like they need to hide indoors behind a you know behind a mask inside or outside for two years. It's there's going to be some emotional trauma attached to that. So understand that when I start to talk about COVID in the way that I'm getting ready to talk about it, I'm not going to minimize the emotional impact that this has had on people. It absolutely has. And it's also going to be time to start discussing what next. This episode isn't only about what's next with COVID, but what's next in your life, right? It's like, even when I watch those zombie apocalypse TV shows like The Walking Dead, people are still uh, building friendships and relationships and falling in love and in some cases having kids. Like, life is still happening. And yes, they're fighting zombies constantly. And I don't know how they go to the bathroom and keep themselves clean. And they sure as hell aren't talking about how they're eating <laughs> regularly enough. Like, nobody talks about when was the last time you showered? When was the last time you washed your butt? When was the last time you put on a clean pair of underwear? When was the last time that, you know, you ate a decent meal or got, you know, a gallon of water a day into your system? It's like, we're going to talk about how everybody wants to kill each other, but we're not going to talk about how we're all staying alive. But even their living life, even in the sense of this apocalyptic experience, you want to continue to live your life regardless of masks and protocols and everything else. And, and, by, and we are not even going to get into the political nonsense of all of this, whether you're, whether you're red, blue, left, right, conservative, liberal, I don't care. I don't care. I don't. You do you. I'm going to meet us. We're going to, I'm going to stand right here in the middle. And we're going to have this conversation like rational people where it's like, regardless of whether you want to wear 18 masks or no masks and lick doorknobs, you do whatever you want to do with yourself realizing that everybody else is also allowed to have their opinion about it. Just like anything else in this world, we all create our own realities in our own minds based on the experiences that we have had. So somebody who has, who has had very little effect of them along the COVID lines might not think this is that big of a deal versus somebody who lost six family members. Neither one person's reality is any less true for them and how they're experiencing this pandemic is going to be different for each one of them. But in the end, they both are alive. They both want to be seeking a movement forward in their lives. And that's what I'm encouraging for you. Figure out a way to, uh, to have this pandemic be happening, to have social injustice issues being discussed, to have the political differences in the world be happening for the global warming and, and the, or the global cooling or whatever you think about all that or energy needs or food needs or overpopulation. All of this stuff is happening. It's, it's part of the bigger conversation. But in your own home each and every day, you have to make decisions to live your best life. Losing your mind over the fact that there's no ice for polar bears to stand on to eat the seals, right? Which is something that's, I mean, I get super, super charged inside when I see polar bear swimming for miles trying to find ice, realizing there's a very good chance that that polar bear is going to get exhausted and drowned. And if nothing else is burned tens of thousands of calories just trying to find its next meal. And that humans have played a part, maybe not the entire thing, but we've definitely played a part in the fact that there is less ice. And it supercharges me. And I, and I get myself all bent out of shape about it, but I can't just go up there with a refrigerator and start, you know, freezing ice cubes and compacting them together so the polar bear's got something to float around on. Like There's a limitation to what I can do in the broader scope of things for that polar bear. 
I can stop eating seafood as much and I can start thinking about sustainability and I can use less water when I brush my teeth and I can turn lights off when I leave a room. I can do these things, which is so in some cases, it's, it's the best I have in that moment. And it makes me feel better, even if actually what I'm doing doesn't really directly benefit the polar bears. At least I take that moment to acknowledge that there is the polar bear out there. I want you to just stop it. And you can acknowledge anything that you want to in life. But you still have to live your life. Isolating yourself away in the house, in a dark room, listening to sad music all the time, right? That might make you feel, you know, whatever that feeling is that you're seeking within yourself in that moment to feel sorry for yourself or for you to be able to tell other people that that's what you do. So they'll feel sorry for you. So that there's some sort of significance that you have in your life that people pat you on the back and ask you if you're okay, right? Like you could also turn the lights on and play happier music, at some point, you have to live your life. Letting other people's judgments about you dictate what you're going to do with your leisure time or do for a career is going to cause you to end up doing things that you don't really find energetically positive for yourself. You have to make these decisions for yourself. I know a ton of people who've gone to college and wanted to be, you know, work with animals or work with the, work with the homeless or or you know be uh, a carpenter and they're being pushed by their family to go do something else because that's not a good career that's not going to make you a ton of money and blah 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 so they change their major to business or finance or law or medicine right because that's how they'll make the money and that's how they'll make their parents happy and then they spend the rest of their lives being miserable with the job they've chosen if they're lucky, they retire out of that at 40 or 50, and then they start doing what they always wanted to do at 20 and 30. I've, for the most part, lived my life exactly the way that I wanted to, regardless of what anyone else thought about me while I was doing it. I stayed in college for 12 years because I was told by enough members of my family and in my friendship circle that if I dropped out completely and stopped going, I'd never go back. I knew that to be untrue because I knew I wanted to be a college graduate. I wasn't so sure the degree was going to bring me the benefits that the system touted it would, and it didn't, but I always wanted to be a college graduate. I wanted to be able to say that because we live in a society where that's really the bare minimum now, All right? High school education, that's it. You're probably going to be in a trade, which I can assure you, based on the people that I have helped go off and, and figure out ways to become plumbers and electricians and carpenters and construction people, there's a ton of money to be made in that world. A ton. Plumbers can make like 100 bucks an hour, guys. And you don't need a college degree to do it. So not everybody's life needs to be predicated on do you have a college degree or not. There's other ways of measuring ourselves as successful. But it's up to us to decide how we're going to measure our own life as a, as a success or not, not somebody else's. I spent 22 years in the hospitality industry as a server, a bartender, a, a manager of different positions, of doing a lot of things within that world. And in Los Angeles, I could easily, I, I had a, my, my first jobs there was making between eighty dollars and $100,000 a year, working less than 30 hours a week as a waiter. People are like, ugh, that being a waiter isn't a career. Well, how's whatever you're doing going for you? I'm making $100,000 a year working from 6 in the morning to 1 p.m. in the afternoon, four days a week. 
So great, you went off and got yourself a degree and you're working in education and I'm making as much as two and a half people would in Wisconsin as a teacher. But blessed be the teachers of the world, just don't look down on somebody who's chosen to be a waiter. That's real money they're making. They are paying real bills. Now I'm going off on this little sidebar because I think it's important that we aren't judging how other people choose to make their living and make their life happy any more than we want them to judge how we're going to make our lives happy. I went to Ball State University. A lot of my friends went off into education, and now they're teachers, or they've moved up, and they're professors, like you know, college level, or they're they're um, administrators. They do some kind of counseling, or they're you know, there's all of these different positions. Some of them actually train teachers to be better teachers. There's lots of different ways that you can express yourself within a given field if you're willing to push yourself outside of what you think is comfortable. You might think, oh, I could do 30 years as a first grade teacher. And you might get seven years into that and think, not so much, not so much. But there's other ways to expand within that field. And that's what I want you to be thinking of is what is next? Your entry-level position in your chosen field when you graduate school isn't the, isn't the end-all, be-all gig. It is just where you start. And we live in a world nowadays where very few people stay at the same place for more than a year, two, or three. 20, 30 years ago, if you were jumping around from job to job every 18 to 24 months, people would look upon that poorly when they looked at your resume. Now it's looked upon favorably. Because it shows that you enjoy challenges and you know how to transition into new jobs and get along with lots of different various people. It's a whole different world. 25, 30 years ago, Monster.com was the big thing and people couldn't believe the idea of getting a job online. And now with Indeed and the rest of Career Builder and the rest of them, it's very much accepted. So what next for you? Where are you ready to push yourself into a new space of challenges and productivity and tenacity of being that best version of yourself each and every day? You're, you're, you're growing and you're changing every day. It's all about whether you're self-aware enough to be paying attention to what direction that growth and change is happening in. We're moving towards something every single day. Is it towards your best self or is it towards your mediocre self? As we step into this new year and we, and we finish this baton passing that I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, especially over on the front from Sobriety to Recovery show, where I do an entire thing uh, at the beginning of December. Um, if you guys are listening to this um, in the archives, go back and, and look for like one of those December episodes right around, I think, the, like the 144 range or something like that. And I talk about the baton passing where it's 60 days to end one year and begin the next. You're in the middle of it now. And you can literally create any one of these baton passing moments at any given time in a year. You could decide by June 15th, you want to be running a mile a day. And on April 15th, you could just, or May 15th, you just start that. And so by May May 15th, you start by walking a little bit. And by June 15th, you know, you could be running that mile or at a half mile, but you've given yourself 60 days. So by that, that date you want it to be done, it's actually just the halfway point to you solidifying that habit. Because you might be able to go from not running a mile May 1st to running a mile June 1st, but then you need to solidify the habit of running a mile every single day by continuing on for another month. Then it just becomes natural. 
whether a hedonistic adaptation kicks in or not for you and you decide ultimately that you want to run two or four or eight or half marathons is not the point of getting yourself trained to run a mile a day. The point of that is to just get that trained in so that it's just become second nature. I was talking with one of my clients, Miles, today, and he was talking about how he watched this video where, where somebody said, I don't really care about nutrition. I care about the benefits of good nutrition. And that immediately sparked an entire conversation, which is what I've been having with you now, but I'm just now alerting you to the thesis that brought this all up. That one powerful statement is that nobody really cares about what it is, the particular subject. They care about the benefits. We don't really care about the college as much as the benefits of going to the college. We don't necessarily have to care about Psych 101. What we care about is the benefits of learning that material. I don't necessarily care about all this nutrition stuff that I know about. I care about knowing enough to be able to achieve the benefits I desire from following a very strategized nutrition and fitness program. Yes, I get super excited talking about the numbers and the food and all of this information, but it's because I believe that in that knowledge of the information is what is allowing me to achieve the benefits that I am now experiencing in my life whether that's through nutrition or self-care or open-hearted conversations with loved ones. The benefits, you may not even have to care about the, the actual open-hearted conversation as much as you, 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 you're, you're attached to the benefits that come after the emotional-hearted conversation. I, I'll close out on this. It's like uh, we went to, I went to the Hoover Dam. I was in Vegas for the New Year's, and I went to the Hoover Dam a couple of days after the New Year's Day. And it's like super awesome experience. I remember as a kid learning about the Hoover Dam and knowing how they put the pipes through it with the cold Colorado River water so that the heat that the concrete would put off would, wouldn't uh, cause it to take 100 years for the entire dam to set and actually get hard. They figured out a way to make it happen. So like every five days they were able to add on more layers. It was just fascinating to me. So to be able to go there and stand on that dam and to see it with my own eyes was just, it, it was amazing. It just, it was wild to me. More importantly, it was the benefits of being able to say that I'd been there for myself, not for other people. Telling other people you went to the Hoover Dam isn't going to have their jaw dropping like, oh my God, you went to the Hoover Dam? You're so amazing. No, no one's thinking that. But it was the benefit for me being able to say to myself that I've been there, to be able to say that I walked on one of the most amazing engineering feats of mankind, at least at the time, to be able to say that I stood on that, be able to say that I experienced it, and I read things about it, and I looked out upon it, and I gazed, and it just enjoyed it. Like That means something to me. The benefits of having gone and seen it are much more than the actual act of seeing it. The act of seeing it took a couple hours. The benefits I'll get from being able to stand upon such an amazing feat of engineering, of, of human um, experiences, of, of human uh, you know, accomplishment, it's, to me, phenomenal. To be able to, to, to say that I had walked across that and I was able to be in a place where so many people sacrificed so much in order to help people and well beyond in the future that they would never know be able to have these thriving, amazing lives along the Colorado River. That meant something to me to be there. The benefit of having gone will stretch out well beyond the experience of doing it. Just like the actual building of the dam. 
The experience of building the dam took two years. If you throw in how they had to build those diversion channels, tunnel things for the river, it was like a four-year project. But either way, we're looking at you know less than five years for this whole thing from breaking ground to being done, right? But yet the benefits of it have stretched 70 years, 100 years. It's been a long time. Well over 100 years, I believe. So it's like with anything else in life. The experience of doing it, it's in that moment. But the benefits are what begin to pay the dividends on and on and on in life. So when you ask yourself, what next? Ask yourself, what do you need to sacrifice today in order to have that version of yourself tomorrow? We talked about this you know, a handful of episodes ago. How it, what are you sacrificing? What are you doing today that's sacrificing your tomorrow? What could you sacrifice today in order to have more desirable tomorrow? When you ask yourself what you're going to do next, inevitably the, the question that should follow it will be, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to achieve that? Because there will be a sacrifice you could say that you want, what next is you want your masters and you might have to sacrifice hanging out with your friends on a Tuesday night. You might have to sacrifice some drinking, you might have to sacrifice some partying. You could decide that you're going to choose to party your butt off and never go back to class. And what are you going to sacrifice? College degree, good grades, the applause of your family whenever you cross the, 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 the stage with a degree in your hand. Make no mistake, when you ask yourself what next, the follow-up question It's going to inevitably be, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to achieve that? And then ask yourself again from that. See, I just keep coming up with more questions. Is what I'm going to sacrifice today going to move me toward that achievement tomorrow? It's all about the benefit. You don't have to care about nutrition. You just have to learn about it in order to Put it into your own life so that you can achieve the highest version of yourself. You don't have to care about Psych 101 or any of those 101 classes. You just have to care to sacrifice in those moments in order to get to the 400 level classes where you're actually learning the stuff that you really got into the whole subject to begin with. When you ask what next, then ask yourself, what are you willing to sacrifice? And then ask yourself, by sacrificing that, will I achieve the benefit? I may have just come up with the entire system that I've been trying to spit out the entire time. What's next? What are you willing to sacrifice for that next thing? And will the sacrifices lead you to the achievement, lead you to the benefits? Sit down and ask yourself those questions and be very mindful and and allow the thoughts to provoke you in ways that you didn't know you could experience. Because if you just blindly make decisions without really knowing where you want to go, without really knowing what you're seeking to achieve... Your what next could really just be another failed attempt, Mm, a mediocre life. And if you wake up one day with a life that is less than because you listen to me or a preacher or a teacher, your mom, your dad, your siblings, or whomever, instead of making the decisions based on what you wanted, and your life turns out shitty, that's on you. And just because you listen to somebody else's advice and your life turns out well doesn't mean that they get the credit for it because you still put in the work. I can explain to you how to build a house, but if you don't pull out the shovel, you don't pull out the hammer, you don't pull out the nails, and you don't start getting to action, then a house will never be achieved. 
You get to take credit for your successes and you get to equally take credit for your quote unquote failures. You get to take credit for all of it and you get to place the blame on no one. Nor do you get to place the accomplishment upon anybody else's shoulders. You are the creator of your life. I can challenge you. I can coach you, but I am not the villain nor am I the hero. Neither is anyone else in your life. Frame it that you're the creator of your life and that there are challengers who push you out of your comfort zone and there are coaches that guide you along the way, but you are not a victim. You're not seeking a hero and no one is the villain. That villain, hero, victim, the the victim, villain, hero complex, that's some BS that the disempowered branch of society wants to push upon you, but you're not that version any longer if you ever even were. You're empowered. You're the coach, you're the challenger, and you're the creator. And you can do all three of these for yourself, toward yourself every single day. And that, my friends, might just be what you put down as your what's next. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. If you want more energy, more energy, if you would like to put more of your energy towards this material on a one-on-one or group style basis, let me know. Jesse at jessemogul.com. Or hit me up at Jesse Mogul on Instagram. As always, it is an honor and privilege to have you here. Be splendid. See you next week. Bye-bye.